0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Microsoft. Monday at the office, feel like a storm. When AI-powered Microsoft Copilot simplifies data and uncovers insights, it feels more like a day at the beach. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all.
1: Hey there, it's the NPR Politics Podcast. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House.
2: I'm Domenico Montanaro, senior political editor and correspondent. And I'm
0: Mara Liasson, national political correspondent.
1: And as we get ever closer to the primaries and caucuses, we wanted to take some time to just run through that whole process. What's at stake? How they work? How soon we should know when Republicans and Democrats alike will have their presumptive nominees for the presidency. Uh, But before we get into the calendar, let us just talk about nuts and bolts. Mara, Schoolhouse Rock time.
0: How does this work? In most Republican states, they have a winner-take-all system or a combination of proportional and winner-take-all. But the prizes, the delegate prizes for winning Republican primaries are bigger. In the de- on the Democratic side, it's really an accumulation of one delegate at a time, and that's why it takes longer to see who's going to be the Democratic nominee,
2: usually. And for the Democrats, you know, it's mostly proportional. Uh, You know, you go state by state and it can take a longer time, as we saw in the past couple of elections, to get a nominee to that magic number of winning a majority of the delegates. Of course, there's no nominee uh, who is – actually picked uh, until the conventions when, you know, honestly, the open secret is that you can change at any time if you're a delegate. You're not 100% bound to these results, but you're supposed to vote the way that um, your state voted. Um, But for the Democrats, it's, you know, this is far less of a contest. You know, President Biden is the incumbent president, um, and he is seen as really the presumptive nominee at this point with some token opposition from Dean Phillips, who's the Minnesota Congress Who's challenging Biden mostly on electability and running against him largely in New Hampshire?
1: Let's go to Iowa. The state's famous first in the nation caucuses uh, will be held on January 15th. What's at stake for Republicans there?
2: Well, uh, short of everything, I mean, <laughs> there's <laughs> everything and nothing. There's, right. Well, that's, that's uh, very close to true because there aren't that many delegates in Iowa. But considering the amount of um, you know, time, energy that they spend there—they certainly are banking on the momentum coming out of that state to help propel them going forward. Principally, it's very, very, very important for Ron DeSantis, uh, the governor of Florida, who has staked his entire campaign on doing well in Iowa. Nikki Haley is the person who's kind of on DeSantis's heels in Iowa, and you know, if she leapfrogs DeSantis, that could be good for her. Um, so, you know. Watching the positioning of those three, how close the margin is, and whether or not um, you know Trump has a massive victory, could really start to spell whether or not this primary race can be over faster than we think.
1: Mara, I think that there is a saying that there are only two or maybe three tickets out of Iowa, and we know that former President Trump has a massive lead in the polls, but. Uh, isn't Iowa also sort of about expectations so if he if going in uh he has this massive lead and then somehow it's somewhat less mm, but it would but he still wins it would depend like, on how much then?
0: less look historical rules only work till they stop working and yes in the past there were a couple of tickets out of Iowa but this year is different because guess what he's an incumbent he is pra- for practical purposes an incumbent and What's really interesting to me about the Republican primary is initially we thought Republicans had the same kind of collective action problem they had in 2016. In other words, all of the Trump alternatives were not willing to drop out and coalesce around the strongest one. Um, Theoretically – uh, in 2016, that could have defeated Trump. As, but as long as there were a whole bunch of candidates running against him, splitting the anti-Trump vote, he could squeak by and win all the delegates just by getting 30% or 35% in these states. This time, they might not have a collective action problem to solve because he's so far ahead. In other words, even if they did all drop out and coalesced around Ron DeSantis or Nikki Haley, he would still win because the gap between him and the rest of them in the polls is just
2: so huge. I was going to say, arguably, maybe not arguably. Trump is a stronger candidate on, in the Republican primary this time around than he was oh, in twenty sixteen. Right? Absolutely. I mean, he's he's got a majority of the he's vote. He's the incumbent
0: in- president for all practical purposes
2: in this Republican world. I totally agree with that. He is basically their president, right? Yes, and yes, that's we've what I'm seen that his his lead is stronger. His the intensity of support, which is really what I think is interesting, is uh, stronger than we've seen uh, for any other candidate. And remember, in 2016, Trump lost Iowa. <laughs> I mean, people sort of like forget this, but then he went on uh, to obviously win the nomination. This time around, I mean, it doesn't even look close right now. It's hard to see which primary would
0: Trump lose now. Very hard to predict that. Very hard to see. Which state would he lose? Not even South Carolina. He's he's way ahead of Nikki Haley in her own state.
2: Yeah. I mean, those things can change. Yes, right? of course. Because if, if narratives suddenly uh, are different, uh, if he wins by – You know, far less than people thought he would in a place like Iowa. Oh, you know, he, uh, Nikki Haley beat the polls and, you know, DeSantis drops out and, you know, any number of things can happen. And we've seen South Carolina voters, for example, move very quickly in past elections. Um, you know, rather than stick to where they say they're going to be backing somebody a month and a half out from the primary. But at this point, you'd rather be Trump than anyone else.
1: All right, let's move to New Hampshire. Quickly, that is on January 23rd. It is the first in the nation primary. Uh if the field has narrowed by then on the Republican side, Domenico,
2: does Trump still win? <laughs> You no know, i don't necessarily think that like new hampshire uh before new hampshire things are going to be uh winnowed very much i think that it's yeah. going to be iowa and new hampshire as a kind of collective that are going to determine some of that um you know narrowing down and the fact is haley is doing fairly well in new hampshire but still you know trailing trump there but if she has a significant You know, she does significantly well in a place like New Hampshire. That is really her, um, her path to this thing. When I talk to people who help run her super PAC is to, you know, do well in Iowa, meaning slightly behind DeSantis or leapfrogging him, they would hope, um, to really kind of put him aside, to do uh, a strong second place in New Hampshire, and then to try to bank shot that into South Carolina, where she can either win or do well against Trump, and then try to consolidate the people who don't necessarily want Trump to be the nominee and take it to a long, drawn-out primary fight.
1: And I'm not making predictions here, but Chris Christie, the New Jersey governor, former New Jersey governor, much like DeSantis is staking so much on Iowa, Christie is staking a lot on New Hampshire. So depending on his performance in New Hampshire, he may or may not make it to South Carolina, for instance, yeah, I mean, I
2: think christie's people have been very clear eyed about what this what his chances are in this in this <laughs> race. They do not expect him to be the nominee they have He has really wanted, as we saw in the last debate, to really try to undercut Trump and to make it known to Republican voters in the best way that he can to say that he is not somebody who should be nominated as the Republican. Uh, to be president because he shouldn't be president, and he's been—he's really been the, the the lone voice making that case now that someone like Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson has been uh, cast aside from the from the debate stage.
1: All right, we are going to take a quick break, and when we get back, Super Tuesday.
3: Hey, it's Asma Khalid. As the year wraps up and we're reflecting on a huge year of political news with an even bigger year coming up in 2024 with a general election, we will continue working to help you keep up with all the political news happening in Washington, D.C. and around the country. And we hope we can count on your help. This is where we want to say a big thank you to our NPR Politics Plus supporters and anyone listening who already donates to public media. Your support ensures that everyone has free access to reliable news and podcasts, including those who can't afford to give this holiday season. And to anyone out there who is not a supporter yet, right now is the time to get behind the NPR network, especially ahead of a big election year. Supporting public media now takes just a few minutes and makes a real difference. So join NPR Plus at plus.npr.org or make a tax-deductible donation now at donate.npr.org politics. And thanks.
4: This message comes from NPR sponsor Progressive Insurance, where drivers who switch could save hundreds on car insurance. Get your quote at Progressive.com today. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates.
0: Support for this podcast and the following message come from Integrative Therapeutics, with vitamins and supplements previously available only through practitioners, including Cortisol Manager. Unlock your best self with clinician-curated supplements from Integrative Therapeutics, now on Amazon.
1: And we're back. And although we've been talking a lot about the Republicans and we will talk about them a lot more, let's talk briefly about the Democrats. They are trying to have a new and different calendar this time around, right?
2: Yeah. I mean, this is a pretty controversial move. Democrats have tried to um, really take Iowa and New Hampshire out of the first two states because and people might remember last time Iowa messed up the counting of results. There's been a lot of bad feelings um, among a lot of Democratic National Committee members who you know also feel like Iowa and New Hampshire are not representative of the sort of big tent diverse party that the Democratic Party is, and they've been looking to sort of change things up. But when you have states like Iowa and New Hampshire that have been so entrenched in doing this for so long, they're not giving up without a fight. And this has taken some doing. But the Democratic National Committee moved South Carolina ahead at president biden's uh request and they're penalizing state like new hampshire which is insisting on continuing its quote-unquote first in the nation primary status because it's in their state constitution but you know this really has to do with the democratic national committee's uh, preferences and the president's preferences and it's been a huge fight i think south carolina reflects the democratic party's base
0: more than Iowa or New Hampshire does. And that was one of the reasons the DNC wanted to change this and Biden wanted to change this.
1: And as a result of this fight, now President Biden isn't even going to be on the ballot in New Hampshire. The first primary where President Biden will be on the ballot is South Carolina. Domenico, that is a state that really made him president.
2: Yeah, no question about it. I mean, he did not finish well in Iowa. Um, and, you know, he decided to uh, reward South Carolina, which has a huge number of Black voters traditionally. And he wants to, you know, reward this early state uh, and say that they belong further up. Mara,
1: Jim Clyburn is a key figure in South Carolina and was a key figure in helping Biden win in 2020.
0: There's no doubt about that. I think at the time, Jim Clyburn was the highest ranking African-American in the Democratic leadership in the House. He endorsed uh, President Biden. I think Biden probably couldn't have been the nominee without him. And um, this is partially a change that honors the importance of Jim Clyburn.
1: Moving ahead in the calendar, there are caucuses in the U.S. Virgin Islands, Idaho, Missouri, and North Dakota, primaries in South Carolina, Michigan, and Washington, D.C. And then Super Tuesday, wow, 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 wow. March 5th, uh, when—I mean, it's called Super Tuesday for a reason—a ton of delegates will be awarded that day because so many states are having primaries.
0: Yeah, so many states and— um You know, it'll be interesting to see if there's any suspense left when we get to Super Tuesday. Uh, Generally, after Super Tuesday, it's all over but the shouting. I think that's probably what will happen this time. This Mm -hmm. time, we'll see how strong a candidate Trump looks like after Super Tuesday and the same for Joe Biden.
1: And Domenico, looking at the calendar and, you know, this definitely could change, but Super Tuesday could come the day after the trial starts in Washington, D.C., the January 6th trial that Trump is facing.
2: Yeah, I don't think people quite have their heads wrapped around the fact that this primary race is likely to be over a lot sooner than people think. You know, we're in 2023, so people are like, oh, next year. No, this is going to be over, it looks like, in about four months. And that's because March – 70 uh, percent of the delegates by the end of March are going to be allocated in the Republican primary race. And like you said, March 4th is right now when the first trial date is for uh, Trump, You know when he's dealing with his, his legal problems and we have this great convergence of the legal and political calendars. March 5th is Super Tuesday. So if we're talking about the fact that a potential conviction might dislodge some Republicans from voting for Trump, there isn't going to be a conviction uh, any time – Uh, close to before a nominee is going to be selected through the primary process.
1: Right. So um, I guess that leaves us with the question I feel like we're asking a lot of the time, which is like, is this all a fait accompli? Well, even if it's it's a fait accompli,
0: it still matters. I mean, I think that there will be some indications of the strengths of these two presumptive nominees, um, even if the results seem to be a foregone conclusion.
2: Yeah, I think no doubt about it. And look, nobody's voted yet. So, of course, it matters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we can't be going off of polls and saying, oh, you know, this is done and nobody should even go vote. I mean, no, this is about people having the opportunity in each state to register what they think uh, should happen. You know, polls are fine and they can indicate a lot of things about where. The electorates are at the point that those polls are taken. But, you know, Nikki Haley, Ron DeSantis, they certainly have lots of money that they're willing to spend on television ads and trying to, you know, make a case uh, to an extent (laughs) against uh, former President Trump.
1: Without saying his name. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> or saying anything that has to do with the legal calendar and everything about things like the debt or not making, not following through on promises. Chris Christie's point, former governor of New Jersey would say, you know, you've got to take them on directly. And a lot of Republican strategists have been telling me that as well. And it just, at this point, they really haven't. And the lion's share of elected officials are behind Trump at this point who are Republicans.
1: And we are going to leave it there for now, but stick with us throughout the primaries and caucuses for our coverage of all of them, and the poll that matters most is the poll on Election Day. I'm Tamara Keith. I cover the White House.
2: I'm Domenico Montanaro, senior political editor and correspondent. And I'm Mara Liasson, national political correspondent.
1: And thank you for listening to the NPR Politics podcast.
4: Support for NPR and the following message come from Bombas. Bombas makes absurdly soft socks, underwear, and t-shirts. And for every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash NPR and use code NPR.